You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. Hello everybody and welcome back to the Oz Network as we come to you today with a very special episode. Well, it's not that special, we just went to movies, I guess, so it's kind of special. But a uh, very exciting episode for you as we, I guess, literally now, finally get to the end of DC month, even though we're kind of into Star Wars month. But this is sort of the conclusion of what we're doing a few weeks back in regards to DC month. Because we did it, because Justice League was coming out, Justice League is out, we've seen it, maybe we loved it, maybe we hated it, I don't know. We're here for a spoiler-free review of Justice League. Very exciting times to be able to do this, because I actually have somebody on the line here for once, and it's not just me going to the movies. But uh, I will start off by saying that uh, my name is Ben, and Diana, I'm Barry. And my name is Colin, and I'm afraid of insects, tall people, and Tasmanians. <laughs> which which is, like, worse. Or, I yeah, I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> um, He's still got his picture of uh, J.K. Simmons lifting weights. Um, I just, yeah. <laughs> just realised that. Um, but yes, Justice League. Uh, I've literally just come home from the cinemas at the time of recording this. I've just seen it. You saw it a few days ago. Well, a day ago, whatever. Um, but, yeah, wow. Um, I'm just going to start off by saying I fucking loved it. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm so excited to be able to like literally come here and talk about it. I, I don't think we've done this since uh, we saw Spectre, I believe, um, that kind of we yeah. saw that pretty much straight away and did a review of that. Um, so... Fresh off the mind, fresh off everything. Um, yeah, I I loved it, Colin. I loved it. Uh, I loved it. I loved it too. Um, <laughs> <Yay>! And <laughs> buy it, buy it. The, yeah, I, thank I, you I, the <laughs> <laughs> Well, that was worth a whole month of episodes. <laughs> um, I will say there's. It's not without a few issues, um, but I think what this movie makes up for, I mean, it's just, it's so entertaining and it's, it's just so much fun, especially, you know, the, the second half of the movie is just such a blast that you can forgive a lot of the issues. And, you know, I'm not really on board with uh, a lot of the problems that critics had with the other movies, but I, I I can already sense some issues people are going to have with this movie, but it's just, it's by far the most entertaining, I think of the DC movies we've had so far. And, uh, it's, a rare thing where I think every single character in a movie works. So yeah, I'm with you. I loved it. Loved it too. It's so fascinating that I kind of went into this and like you've talked a lot about film reviews and kind of how they're different now to say 20 years ago and things like that. And, you know, obviously I, I don't know how you were too much going into seeing it that you obviously saw a little bit earlier than I did, but I just, I was full on to Google trying to every day. Are they out yet? Are the reviews out yet? Because I guess kind of, as we've discussed a lot over the, the four films in in the lead-up to this, the critical reviews have obviously been a little bit different, and I guess kind of a lot of people were going into this thinking, uh-oh, is this going to be a Wonder Woman or is it going to be a Batman v Superman? Um, uh-huh. And difference is, of course, you and I generally were a lot more positive on the uh, four films as opposed to, I guess, the general consensus from the critics and a lot of the fanboys and girls, not being sexist. Um, but I, I kind of read a lot of the reviews and just, you know, to me, I probably read about ten and they were just the standard sort of like, oh, it's better than Batman v Superman, but it's still got issues. And then, like, they just, mm-hmm. they just went into, you know, so many things and kind of rolled my eyes a little bit, was a bit scared... Um, but like, 
it's interesting kind of what you were saying then about like it's got issues and I maybe came out of this you know first time viewing out of compared to watching all the previous four in this and this was the one that I've maybe right now can say I've had the least amount of first impression issues with if you know what I mean it's like mm. I mean I can think of some and obviously given this is a spoiler free review you know um, there might be some that we can't necessarily talk about but I mean this yeah I, I mean I walked out of Batman v Superman loving it um, and I'm probably just going to say this off the bat i like this more than batman v superman on a first viewing like it's just so much about this and it was kind of interesting reading some of the criticisms you know so much criticism was labeled at ben affleck in terms of you know he phoned in his performance as batman and you know he just looks lazy and then you know people were complaining that uh henry cavill is superman is that really a spoiler not really you know he's gonna be coming back um (laughs) that you know he just too was just not in the zone and like there was one i read they were just like everyone in this film is phoning in their performance they're bored i'm like what are you on like it was just yeah i'm just wanted to get some venting out right now colin but um, those, I think those might have been a select few reviews because, like, I went through a ton of reviews as well, and everything I read, you know, was saying like all the performances are really solid. I think the difference that maybe those few critics might have had is that Henry Cavill and uh, Ben Affleck, I mean, they've had one and two movies already introduced themselves, and you could say, yeah, so is Wonder Woman, but uh, you know, she's just doing more of the same and i i we're, we'll hear a little bit later on you know talking a little bit with jamie I, I pretty much gloss over well we don't have to talk about ben affleck or gal gadot or henry cavill although she talks a lot about henry cavill but <laughs> um for something else but uh you know we we're just familiar with them already so this movie even though i think it is ben affleck's movie is that he's the one uh, really calling the shots here he's the one who's got the most screen time and the story sort of following him it's not it's not about introducing him this is about introducing aquaman and cyborg and the flash so i think they do get the majority of uh, i guess the meat in this movie to to uh really act from um but yeah i haven't really read bad reviews for any of the performances but it, it is fair enough to say that the three new ones probably get the most uh most interesting things to do here yeah and it's i definitely agree with everything you said there and i mean it's kind of I mean, obviously, we'll probably talk a little bit more about this in some of the review sections at the end because we'll go over sort of the the main bits here and you know viewpoints as we do in these sort of spoiler free reviews. But like the the interesting, and I don't know if this is something and that they do deliberately or not. But the ones that I kind of read kept saying like, oh, as always, you know, uh, Gal Gadot is the star, Wonder Woman is the most, you know, blah blah blah, sort of like that. And like, I'm not taking away from Gal Gadot and Wonder Woman. I may be jumping ahead here with last straight jump straight into this. But to me, out of the three appearances, like this, I mean, I don't know if I'd necessarily agree with her sort of being the star. And I'm not saying she's terrible, but um, like it's so many of the reviews just focus on how brilliant Gal Gadot is once again. She's good. Um, but they, all the reviews like were mean to, uh, uh, what's his name, Cyborg, um, to Ray Fisher. Um, when, like, I kind of, yeah, I, I'm jumping ahead here in terms of the characters, but, um, you know, yeah, it's it's kind of interesting, and I kind of, I don't know if you sort of went into this thinking, like, because I've just, in terms of catching up on the, the Marvel movies, I, you know, in the last week, I've actually watched the first Avengers, yay, Ben's getting it, getting there, and uh, mm-hmm. I was kind of thinking, like, with this, like, oh, is this going to suffer from the fact that we haven't had our standalone Flash, Aquaman, Cyborg one, as, you know, at least in the Avengers, we had all our standalone ones by that point, um... But yeah, I, I don't know, necessarily think it did kind of suffer from that. Like, obviously, 
DC are doing it slightly differently. And I'm all over the shop here in my, what I'm trying to talk about right now. I think we can. Ben's so excited right now. It's like, let's talk about Cyborg. No, let's talk about this. Let's talk about all of them. Like, let's just talk about every single bit of this movie. Um, but I guess we probably should, uh, I guess, just quickly go over the plot. Uh, and, you know, obviously not really go over spoilers and everything. I mean, you know, it's standard superhero movie plot i guess <laughs> you know mm-hmm. there's a world ending thing happening and superheroes have got to save the world i mean we have we talked about in the preview obviously we've got steppenwolf uh, there's mother boxes he's essentially got to kind of find them all and try and put them all together to unleash hell and uh you know in the um the aftermath of superman dying uh batman bruce wayne is trying to get his team together the justice league and uh, obviously try and stop this big threat i mean that's really the plot that's all you kind of need to know um we can't obviously go into super much details in terms of uh other things that happen along the way but um yeah i mean just i'll just say in terms of the plot line i, I did sort of read a few of the reviews were saying like oh it's very thin on the plot we don't actually know why steppenwolf is there and why is he trying to destroy it like i think it's explained i'll say i understood this. yeah more in the first half of many moments than what the fuck Loki was trying to do in the Avengers. I'm like, so he's got a blue box and there's like <laughs> aliens. Why is he trying to get the... Like, I don't get it. Like, like I'm still trying mm-hmm. to work out what the Avengers plot is. But yeah, I got this. So I don't understand these... I swear reviewers just want to hate on the DC movies. That's yeah. why. <laughs> yeah, and that's a perfect example and uh about loki i i could have gone on about age of ultron which you know i I hate when people are like oh marvel's so much better and then they just they never want to talk about age of ultron which was a complete mess um but yeah even the first avengers you don't know what's going on and really if you follow the comics you get an idea of what loki's trying to do but the exact same thing could be said here so i don't know if that's just again marvel fans who don't follow dc as closely and they don't understand what the mother boxes are and you know the, the mention we have of dark side and everything the other thing to mention here as far as the story goes is this movie is a little bit light on story uh, but it's about the team coming together and if you go back to the original avengers movie the first Avengers movie was incredibly light on story because yeah. it's about the characters coming together. And I think the biggest difference here is that we have three characters that we have not been introduced to at all yet, other than, you know, a few brief glimpses. Whereas with the Avengers, it's like, well, we've been introduced to you all. Let's just slowly bring you together. And it happens, if you think about it, even slower in the Avengers, where oh, it's like sure. an hour and it's an hour and 15 to an hour and 20 minutes into the movie before anything really happens. Uh, and in this, I think it's probably about you know 45 minutes to an hour before everything comes together. But um, I think, the, yeah, the biggest difference is just if you don't understand the comics, you're not going to know what Steppenwolf's doing. If you don't understand the comics, you're not going to know what Loki's doing. So that's a really good comparison. And I, I really, but like the thing is like, yeah, as kind of, as we talked a lot about, I mean, I, I've not really read comics and I don't read cause I'm dumb, but like, <laughs> I, I felt the way they kind of explained a bit of the background with Steppenwolf. I understood it a little bit more as in like, and again, like obviously you were saying like with, I guess, Marvel, Loki, you kind of understood it if you read the comics. Um, I mean, I guess mm-hmm. the difference in, in many aspects comparing it to the Avengers is that we'd seen Loki in a previous film. We kind of got why he became who he was. Um, whereas Steppenwolf, we saw like a brief glimpse of the guy in the extended cut of Batman v Superman. So, it was yeah. kind of, you know, there's a difference there. 
Um, but I, I tell you, what, I'm I'm glad I watched. Like I'm, I was up to the Avengers, and I've actually watched that sort of within the week of seeing this because I I, I kind of think that that has made me be able to I don't know compare it obviously, but just kind of see see it in a certain way. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I I tell you one thing. Like, I mean, not that I was bored in the Avengers. I enjoyed the Avengers, but like this one, like I legitimately like. I mean, I don't always look at my watch. It's a weird thing. Ben's always looking at his watching movies. He's just bored, but. I didn't look at my watch once. This just bro- breezed by. Um, so, yeah, I mean, well, I mean, I, I, I can. There, there are a few things, I guess, with the story, which you know, ultimately, when we do the recap, you know, that kind of, if we had to look at this on the grand scheme of things of the four that we've seen before this, that are missing. Um, but I guess, kind of, when you've got so many people to get to in this, and kind of so much stuff, you know, you're not going to see the news reaction to all of this happening, and you know, the the world view as kind of we talked about, say that we got in Batman v Superman compared to Man of Steel, if you know, what I mean, just a little thing that you know, kind of noticed. Yeah, I mean, I think all these movies are slightly different, and um, there's one thing that we haven't really even talked about, even the preview episode, that uh, we should make mention of, and that's the fact that when this movie was being developed, it was being developed as Justice League Part 1, and Mm -hmm. they had intended for this to be not necessarily a back-to-back thing, but... Justice League Part 2 is supposed to be following like only 12 months from now. And now it's looking like it's going to be two years from now. And they're saying, well, we don't have an exact release date for Justice League 2 yet. But this movie kind of feels like Justice League Part 1. And this is where I feel a lot of the reshoots came in, where you know, maybe this was you know heavily meant to set up a sequel. And whenever you're doing that, it's going to have to end on cliffhangers and maybe be a little bit darker. And then trying to change the tone and make this a lighter movie, I'm assuming they rewrote a lot of the ending and the climax to make it more standalone. But it still feels like the first part. So people are saying, well, the story is a little bit light. You know, uh, Steppenwolf, you know, we don't really know where this is going. Uh, You should keep in mind that Justice League Part 2, regardless of when the release date is, it's still coming. And this was meant to be the first part of a two-part story that I'm assuming the second will include Darkseid. Yeah, ab- yeah, absolutely, and I think that um, th- we really should point out to people who are maybe going to listen to this before they go and see it, um, stay right to the end of the credits. Like, it's not just a, like, oh, yeah. it's a superhero movie, of course. There's two post-credit scenes, so there's one in the middle and there's one mm-hmm. at the end. And as I was just saying to Colin off-air, that I kind of only read that on a headline briefly when I was reading one of the reviews um, before I went and saw this. And I'm sure we probably would have stayed anyway because, you know, there was a bunch of people still waiting even after the first one. Um, and both post credit scenes are amazing. Like, the first one, I was just cacking myself laughing. Um, and mm-hmm. the, the second one, you know, just, wow, like, that's that's a cliffhanger. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're great. Um, and, like, one thing, actually, too, just while on, like, the story and kind of this, I guess, in sort of brief comparison to The Avengers, I feel that, like, you could go into this not having seen the previous four and get more satisfaction out of it. That, I'm not saying you mm-hmm. don't get that in the Avengers. Of course you do. Uh, you can still go see that by itself. But, like, I feel that knowing the backstory a lot more on the Avengers, and this maybe goes back to when I was saying, like, oh, would this be affected by not having our standalone Aquaman, Flash, and Cyborg ones? And as you were saying, like, we're getting introduced to these characters, really. So I feel you can get more satisfaction having seen this, having not seen the previous four DCEU ones, than you do with Marvel not having seen, what, there was five before the Avengers, four, five. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know if you kind of felt that way or not, but I feel this is a more of a standalone film than The Avengers was, if you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah, and, you know, we talked a lot about how, you know, DC was really building towards something and that the movies were more connected than Marvel movies. And I still believe that what we've seen so far, they're more connected. But this one, 
it's not you know that terribly connected to even the previous DC movies we've seen. Uh, it, it is, but because like, again we had the build up with Batman and Superman, and that's very important in this movie. Uh, but what what I'm kind of getting at is when you look at uh, how the previous movies were very connected to as like the real world. Okay. And that's something that maybe is missing from this movie. Yeah. You know, how does the real world respond? You know, outside of uh, commissioner Gordon, which gives us a little bit of that. There's no mention of what the government's doing, what the media is thinking or any of that, or even that anybody else in the world really knows about this threat. And that's something I actually liked about this movie. It wasn't all right. The whole world is going to be destroyed and we're destroying an entire city. And like, there are probably six people <laughs> who understand what's going on in this climax outside of the Justice League. So you include the Justice League, 12 people know that the world's about to end. Um, but because of that, I think you don't have so much story that needed to be set up. And this could be a standalone. And as well, as I was saying, you know, this is a lot about introducing Aquaman and introducing Cyborg and introducing the Flash. That shouldn't say they have more screen time because they don't. And one of the things about the first hour... Uh, that I felt was, it was a little bit slower, but that was partly because I've been introduced to these characters already, and I knew where they were going, you know, when they bring in Barry's dad, okay, well, I know what the point of that is, so maybe just me having more knowledge of, you know, the comics and even the previous movies, it, it felt a little bit slower to be introducing these characters, but we still get a little bit of, like, Wonder Woman stuff. Here's a little bit of Wonder Woman backstory. You could not have seen the Wonder Woman movie and not felt like, oh, well, I needed to see Wonder Woman to understand her as much as I understand Aquaman in this. Uh, with all the characters, you don't get like a massive backstory. You get a couple little scenes that introduce you where they are right now. And I don't feel like Wonder Woman's introduction, you know, is any more or less than the Flashes. And we've seen her before. Yeah. So if you've never seen Wonder Woman, if you've never seen Batman, Superman, I think the only thing that really you would be lost at is why is Superman dead? I don't understand this. Yeah. He's Superman. How could he die? Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, there's a few little sort of, you know, references by characters, like, you know, sort of in that conversation between Bruce Wayne and Diana, sort of, you know, when he mentions a certain name and kind of things like that. And, you know, when, uh, you know, Diana Wonder Woman sort of talking a little bit about that said character and things like that, which, yeah, you'll understand if you've seen Wonder Woman. Um but yeah, I mean, but it's really no different no. than like Barry talking about his dad. Yeah, exactly. You know, exactly. You're, yeah. Um, and the thing, like when you mentioned about kind of like your sort of knowledge about Barry and his dad, and kind of you know, because I guess you know a bit more of the backstory of the Flash than I do. Um, the one that I think I will say though, like the the final post credit scene, um, I had no clue, <laughs> and like yeah. there, was, there was this whole group <laughs> in the cinema who just cheered. They were like, "Oh my god!" And they were like, "Woo!" And I'm like. Cool. All right. They're a pretty decent character then. Uh, so, like, I Googled it on the way. I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, so, like, you know, if you're like me and have not read the comic books, you're not going to maybe get the last scene. Um, but when you Google it, you're like, oh, okay, cool. Uh, so, um, but, yeah, I mean, this the one thing that actually I, I will say I, I liked about this too is that you you know, I talked about sort of like, and you mentioned there in terms of like the real world, real world reaction and stuff like that. I like sort of the groundingness that they do. And we've discussed that over the the first four in this, but like Mm -hmm. there were lots of this. So that also to me felt like kind of your old school comic book movies, like as in like what we talked about in the original Spider-Man trilogy, how it was kind of a bit fun. uh, And the fact that, you know, they lose a bit of the complete utter realism to it, but I felt it was very well balanced with that. So, like, you know, I mm-hmm. liked Steppenwolf and the fact that, you know, he kind of, to me, was traditional, very over-the-top villain. 
um, that, you know, really sort of just didn't have much of a grounded realism to the guy. Um, and I, I kind of liked that. And it kind of, as much as I enjoy sort of the real world aspect that we talked a lot about in the first four films, there was just kind of an element that t- took me back to sort of, you know, watching the original Spider-Mans or watching sort of 1990s yeah. Batman films, if you know what I mean. And and that's the thing. I think a lot of people are going to be caught up on, oh, well, it's Rotten Tomato score isn't great. And this critic said this. And it's funny because the first group of reviews that came out on Wednesday just before I went to see it, you know, the article was saying that the critics are not being kind to this. And they go through the first two reviews, which are negative, And then there's like three or four reviews after that that are all positive. And of course, they're choosing, well, well, these are the negative things the critics are saying. It's like, no, actually, it's probably what, about 50-50? Like, this is a true mixed reaction film. And I think people are responding positively to the humor more than anything, even in the negative reviews. The humor is really working. And one of the reasons the humor works is because this isn't over the top and it doesn't feel like such a change in tone. It just feels like, I said this in the Batman Superman episode, that what we were getting from uh, Batman especially, or uh, Superman, you know, when people will say, oh, this is emo Superman, (laughs) you know, it's brooding Superman. (laughs) And I said, this is the introduction of Superman. You really have to pay attention to those lines where uh, Clark is talking about, you know, I never was Superman. There never was a Superman. This was just a dream of a farmer from Kansas. And you realize, well, he's been doing this because of Jarrell and because of Jonathan. And did he really believe he was Superman? And it wasn't until that moment with, uh, doomsday at the end where he you know became the superman the symbol of hope and you look at that change in tone and that's important you look at the change in tone in batman where you know he's talking to uh, alfred in in dawn of justice and he's saying you know uh like or they're talking about 20 20 years or whatever of fighting criminals and you're realizing this is a changed man and the change in tone for him is that this is natural. Now he's over his bitterness. Uh, he realizes, you know, uh, you know, what his purpose is now. Wonder Woman, same thing. There's a great line early in this movie that really explains Wonder Woman to you where they're talking about, uh, or Batman is talking to her and saying, why aren't you that symbol of hope? Why are you still kind of hiding who you are? And this whole movie is just about the characters we've been introduced to so far. You know, they were in a dark place before, and now they're, you know, becoming more lighthearted naturally. And then the new characters introduce the same thing. Like, they're kind of lighthearted characters to begin with. So none of this feels like the humor and the change of tone is so drastic. uh, And it still has that grounded in the real world feel, even though we're looking at giant insects, you know, from Apocalypse. (laughs) Scriddly do. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But it didn't get that line. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) There's been a progression, I think, with the characters where it it doesn't feel so awkward and out of place. Completely, completely, completely agree. And I think that, like, you know, when we talked about, like, Joss Whedon being brought in, you can feel he's touched to this, but, like, it's not to the point where. Especially in the opening scene. Oh, yeah. Did you feel that? Yeah. Oh, for sure. (laughs) But, like, <laughs> I like that opening scene. Um, like, the brunch references. I thought I was kind of watching Buffy for a yeah. moment. But, like, not to the... It wasn't to the extent where it's, like, he turned this into Buffy or he turned it into, like, the Avengers and kind of their sort of backwards and forwards. And I think, like... Mm-hmm. My dad actually was mentioning this in the car on the way home. And I think, you know, like, the good thing about DC and Marvel universes is that they both feel very different. That, like, yeah, you know, we're not kind of seeing too similar... Like, you know, there are similarities. Of course there are. But I feel, and again, this is coming from someone who's about halfway through his Marvel catch-up. 
Um, you just, you get a vibe of what the movies are like and you do this with the DC ones. Of course, the Marvel ones are a lot lighter and, you know, sometimes a lot more comedic on it. But like, like what you were saying, like the development of the characters. And I kind of think that kind of is what really works with this. And like, we'll talk about sort of the characters here and sort of, you know, we'll kind of briefly go over the most part. But like the one thing that I kind of think is almost comparable to, um, and download 007, uh, it's kind of like the progression of Daniel Craig as Bond is that, yeah. Watch Casino Royale, watch Spectre. And it's kind of just how he's come to that point where Inspector, as we talked about all the time in 007, like, to me, that was the first sort of Daniel Craig one that really is starting to now feel like the old school James Bond with that kind of the co- the comedic elements and sort of, you know, you, you know what I mean. James Bond fans know what I mean. So, like, yeah. this is kind of now where I feel that we're into this fifth film and we're starting to get that, like, I mean, in terms of the characters, like, one of my standouts, and I really wasn't expecting this, was the fact that Henry Cavill, this was his best performance as Superman. Oh, yeah. And he was and amazing. <laughs> he was so and good. And again, that's, that's, partly, <laughs> that's partly like what I was talking about. We don't want to give too much away about what his presence is in this movie, but everybody knew he was going to come back in you know some sense. And we get to see, like, th- th- this drastic shift in him. You know, it's it's it's, you know really dark it's really light it's just you have to see the movie to kind of get why it's like that but uh this is exactly what i was saying about how the character was an origin story for the first two and you get that right from the beginning with man of steel and that now he has become superman and it's funny because as soon as we left i was thinking you know a lot of the lines he's delivering a lot of the humor that even superman has in this movie it feels so much like the comic superman and if you read even a single issue of you know uh superman comic you realize he kind of messes with people a lot. Like he, he's the, we talked about the super dickery thing and that, that really is for you get a little bit of that in here, but it's yeah. not like he's a jerk. It's just, it's it, yeah, it's fantastic the way that they handle them in this movie. And it is so close to the comics. It's the closest, closer. Than, I'm not saying it's better than Christopher Reed, but I'm saying the portrayal we're getting here is way closer to the comic Superman than we've ever had before. Yeah. Uh, I mean, again, I'm not having read the comics, but like, I mean, I, yeah, it's just, this is to me. Uh, and I guess that's what a lot of people criticize Henry Cavill and, you know, Batman, me superman and man of steel that you know he's just depressed superman he's emo superman but like he, he, there's so much to him in this film that he's like a christopher reeve you know brandon rouse uh you know tom welling um not dean kane though mm-hmm. um but <laughs> um i just i loved him i loved him so much and uh, probably not as much as jamie i'm guessing we'll hear that uh, at some point yeah <laughs> but, uh, but yeah and like the thing i was kind of worried about in terms of ben affleck is that i think kind of the one thing i got out of batman v superman in terms of you know obviously i loved it but People always praised Ben Affleck. Oh, he's so good, you know, like mm-hmm. as we went over. This now seems to me, as I said, sort of in the reviews, it kind of seems to be the opposite. People are criticizing him for this. And I just, I was like, uh oh, like has he lost his mojo? But I just, I don't see it. I don't see what they're saying. Like, you and I sort of talked a lot about him in uh, Batman v Superman that, you know, this is obviously older, sort of wiser Batman. And there's a lot of references in this film to how long he's actually been doing this and whether or not he can keep doing it or not. It's a different take on Batman, and I think he does it so well. And one of the reviews I read was like, yeah, he phones it in and he doesn't do anything. I'm like, he does more in this than he does in Batman v Superman in the final yeah. fight. He's not there on Batblog at the end of this film. Like, he's <laughs> Somebody else might be, though. Yeah, we don't want to give too much away. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I mean, I, again, like, I think Affleck's great. Um, there's, there was a lot more Jeremy Irons in this than I was anticipating. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and like kind of if we separate these, I guess, into their groups, uh, you know, Ben Affleck, Jeremy Irons, I think again, we're just as great as they were in, uh, Batman v Superman, not necessarily better, but you know, it's, it's just yeah. a different sort of well, movie. So, yeah. 
Yeah, here this is it's kind of weird because you know we talk about well you don't just compare these movies to Marvel but we compare the movies to Marvel. The unfortunate thing that I think the, the, these DC movies are suffering from is that they're coming out probably a couple of years after Marvel reached this point. So people are forgetting and they're not as forgiving. And I feel like they wouldn't be as forgiving of Marvel if it was the other way around, if DC had kind of done this first. But I mentioned many times, you look at the first four or five Marvel movies and really, what did people really get behind? Iron Man 1. They didn't care for the Incredible Hulk. They didn't care for Thor. They didn't care for First Avenger. They hated Iron Man 2. So... Marvel was at the same point, and even with the first Avengers, uh, I, I feel like um, we're comparing a lot, well, this movie's like this, and Avengers was like this, and people just for, sort of forget, because now we're 15 to 20 movies into Marvel, and you don't need all this exposition, you don't need to set it up, but let's compare the first Avengers, as you just watched it, to Justice League, uh, and make a fair comparison, that all the characters that were in that, yeah, they did a good job, Joss Whedon did a great job of incorporating all the Avengers characters in there. But then you had the random characters from their lives, which you kind of want to include, like, uh, you know, Gwyneth Paltrow and everything, that just felt like they didn't need to be there. And it's like, oh, let's throw this character in there so it still feels like, you know, their lives outside of the Avengers exist. And all the characters are here, you know, I, I kept thinking myself when I was seeing the huge lineup of it, we got Commissioner Gordon in the movie. Uh, you know, we've got uh, Diane Lane, we got Amy Adams, we have Connie Nielsen, we have uh, you know brief appearances of some of the other Amazonians and everything. We've got Barry's dad with Billy Crudup. We've got you know all this Aquaman stuff that it was just going to feel like the Avengers one, where I, I was like all these extra characters from the franchises don't belong, and they all worked perfectly in here. Like I was surprised. We talked about Amy Adams had such high billing in this. She has a significant role in here, but it doesn't feel like she takes over the movie. And same thing with Diane Lane and uh, uh, you know J.K. Simmons, Commissioner Gordon. It's it's more of an introduction more than anything else. But all these characters from the outside, they fit perfectly in this, and it makes sense in the story. And at no point are you feeling like I don't understand why Lois is in this scene. I don't understand why you know uh, Martha is in this scene. I don't get why Henry Allen is in this scene. Uh, it's all logical, even just in the context of what the story is in Justice League, not just, oh, well, we have to see who they are and how they're being brought together. The story of what's happening at the end of the world makes sense to have these characters included. Completely agree. And, I mean... I, I one thing I've got to say, just thinking of the, the top billing. One thing I, I turned to my dad when the movie started, and you see like you know the the uh, the stars of the film. Uh, you know, it starts mm -hmm. off with Ben, Aff ben Affleck, second one, Henry Cavill, and I'm like, too bad if you went into this completely unspoiled and not assuming Superman's going to return. It's spoiled, like, within two seconds of watching this film. I mean, you're dumb if you go into this not thinking Superman's going to return, but, um, mm -hmm. but yeah, I mean, I, but, I, but like, just, just really quickly to cut you off. I think it also helps, and this is why it was such a smart idea to keep him out of the promotion. They're kind of doing the opposite of what The Force Awakens did with Luke, and we're only a few years rem removed from that. So people now are expecting we can have everybody knew Mark Hamill's in the movie. Mark Hamill got second billing in The Force Awakens. True. Uh, and yet people are like, why isn't he on the posters? Why isn't he in the trailers? And his name watched that on entire movie longer than he did. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> so people. Now, no, it's possible to have a star of the movie not even show up. And I think that's, you know, why when Superman does show up, it, it's not like you're like, well, they spoiled that. Yeah, yeah, true. Uh, I'll say, I 
best Amy Adams performance as Lois Lane. <laughs> you know, we've kind of been like, eh, Amy Adams. Like, I think this time around, I was like, yeah, Amy Adams. <laughs> so I don't All know. right, you go, Amy Adams. I don't know if you felt that, but um, I guess kind of, I mean, J.K. Simmons quickly, I mean, again, kind of as you said, a bit of an introduction. I didn't get a whole lot. As soon as I saw him on screen, I'm like, it's J. Jonah Jap. All oh, right, sorry, wrong franchise. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's got hair. Yeah, he's not quite as energetic. That's, the, that's why you throw it off. The only times we ever see J.K. Simmons with hair is Spider-Man and Justice League. We can't tell them apart. Um, just quickly before we sort of get to our three newbies, um... I mean, I mean, I suppose we should also quickly talk about Gal Gadot as well. Um, anything really to add on? I mean, what did you think of J.K. Simmons? I mean, I thought he, what we saw of him was good. Um, you know, yeah. again, there's not a whole he lot felt there. Like really, there. Yeah, yeah. I and I'm not even saying that's a stretch because we talked about the preview episode. You know, when we heard J.K. Simmons was playing Commissioner Gordon, we're like, yeah, that totally makes sense. And that's you kind of just walk in this. You you. You forget you're watching J.K. Simmons. He he gets this character, and he, I'm not even saying that's much of a stretch for him. He naturally would. He's J.K. Simmons. He can do anything. And Gal Gadot. I mean, I don't want to gel over Gal Gadot. I mean, I, I already gave a bit of a viewpoint on her. I, I, I think this may be her weakest performance. Oh, I don't want to say weak. That's a bit unfair. I mean, she was barely in Batman v Superman. Again, she's not bad. I'm not saying Gal Gadot's bad. I just don't think she's as good as everybody's talking about her in the reviews. I liked her a lot better in Wonder Woman. Yeah, well, I think in Wonder Woman, she had more of a story arc. And, you know, I'm still praising the fact that this movie has a good story arc for everybody but hers i think it's partly the fact that her character's been around sitting around for a hundred years <laughs> it's not like you're gonna have as much to do when you have cyborg who's like i can't go out in public i'm a monster and you got the flash who's like uh i, I i'm not a brave person i just push people and run away <laughs> you know you've got wonder woman who's been saving people for a hundred years but not really out in public you're not going to have as much of a story arc for her but as far as the performance goes i mean it's exactly the same as what we saw before. So if I'm not like, you know, tripping over myself as in Gal Gadot is amazing. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to fall into Jamie territory here. She was amazing watching an IMAX screen, <laughs> uh, where I think it was a, a little bit more uh, uh, distracting for me. But um, it's, it's just, it's what we've seen of her already. So uh, it's not like it's a huge surprise. Oh, Gal Gadot is great in this movie. I mean, we've seen her three times in a year and a half. One thing that I, I would quickly say just while I remember is that one of the reviews I read was like, Justice League goes to the point where they're now you can tell it's a male director because they're starting to over-sexualize Wonder Woman. I left the cinema oh, having oh. that on my brain going, what the fuck was that reviewer smoking? Um, because I'm it's like... It's probably even less than in yeah? Patty Jenkins. Yeah, I, I didn't see one point in this entire film that that was even remotely true. Um, but... And also, I saw this on a VMAX screen, which is the Village Cinemas here in Hobart's version of an IMAX. I paid extra to see this on what I thought would be a bigger screen and more of an experience. It was maybe like a metre bigger. Um, and <laughs> the seats were more comfortable, but I'm like, really? I paid extra to see it in this? Like, it's not that different. And I had these two people next to me who did not stop talking through the entire film, but that's another story. Um mm. Our three newbies. Can I, can I just ask a question? Of course there? you can. Please do. Was was yours in three D or no? No, we none. There's actually okay. I don't know if it's been released in three D down here because none of the sessions I can find are three D. They're all just two D. So, well, because like I mentioned on the previous episode, we uh, we won passes or we sorry, we were honored uh, with press passes oh, to an advanced screening pass. because we're the Oz. Yeah, because we're the Oz Network. Henry all, Cavill you know? personally invited it, <laughs> but. Um, 
it was an advanced screen and I was just expecting, well, you know, it's just going to be like a regular theater or whatever. And it actually was on the IMAX, but it wasn't in 3D, which I think this movie is in 3D because I was already looking at the show times over the weekend for what we could go see. Uh, and one of the criticisms this movie had was for the CGI. And people said, well, the CGI is not great. Really? I didn't get that at all. Yeah, me neither. And maybe it is a 3D thing because sometimes in 3D, you know, it looks kind of uh, faded. And uh, I mean, that's kind of the purpose of 3D, you know, but uh uh, at least in the, the 2D that we see in this, um, especially on an IMAX screen, you think that you would really notice if there were problems with the CGI. And I think it looked great. So a lot of the complaints about the CGI could come down to how it looks in 3D because I didn't see a single thing wrong with it here. Casper clearly wants to go see it in 3D. Um, yeah, I agree. I um, Yeah, I didn't sort of notice anything like that. Um, I mean, our three newbies, um, you know, Ezra Miller, Jason Momoa, uh, and Ray Fisher... Um, I mean, obviously, the praise is really going to, to Ezra Miller. I mean, he is amazing. He yeah. is so good. And, like, mm-hmm. again, I've never watched the Flash TV series. I've never really experienced anything to do with the Flash before. And um, he might be now one of my favorite superheroes. I love him. He's so, like, oh, mm-hmm. just absolutely brilliant. Um, and just, yeah, I, I, I feel he needs to be talked about separately because he's just awesome. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, I- I've mentioned this movie to a few people since seeing it and every single time i say like the flash totally steals the movie uh and it's not even just because he's funny i mean i just feel like he every time he's on screen you only want him on screen and when he's not on screen you're like come on let's get back to the flash already yeah uh, and yeah i i i don't think anybody's really going to walk out of this being like you know what i kind of prefer jason momoa over ezra miller i mean you might get some of the ladies walking out saying that but like he's so good and his humor is just he i think he sets the tone of the humor in this movie um and it's so natural with him like he just he 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 talks so fast and it, it it feels authentic watching him and I'm so excited. If you're going to look at the characters and what their story arcs are and what we know about them, uh, I feel like Cyborg and Aquaman probably have more going on in their personal lives than, you know, Barry Allen does. Uh, And that's kind of just like he's the young, immature character or whatever. But when you consider, you know, he's got a father who's in prison and he's wrongfully in prison and all that, that's a very small part of this movie. So the fact that Ezra Miller stands out as the star has nothing to do with how this movie was written. It's all in his performance because between all the new characters, he has less dramatic uh, material to work with than either Jason Momoa or Ray Fisher do. I'm kind of, and I'm not going to take away from anything of Aquaman and Cyborg, but I'm kind of disappointed. Uh, Flashpoint's kind of the one that really hasn't got a release date yet. <laughs> you know, that's kind of out of these three new mm-hmm. ones that we haven't sort of oh. officially know when that's coming and when- out. <laughs> When you know the storyline for it, you're going to be like, oh, I can't wait to see that movie. Like, that's that's one movie that you know, I, I think by the time it comes out, people that'll be the new Wonder Woman. People will be flipping out over it. doesn't matter who the director is. The story is so good for Flashpoint, and it's it's the perfect one to really uh, – int- I think if we've already been introduced to a Barry Allen, we don't have to do an origin story. It's the perfect movie to tell the story. But, yeah, they, they're going to – I think that this movie, just like with Wonder Woman – you know, there, whether it's true, the rumors that the reshoots had to do with we're going to include more Wonder Woman in this movie, uh, the fact that, you know, we're getting Wonder Woman 2 being pushed up uh, a lot sooner than it was originally supposed to. I think that's what's going to happen with Flashpoint now, because, like, nobody is going to walk away from this and not want to see Barry Allen very soon. Yeah, completely, completely agree. One that actually kind of said, because, like, sort of in the reviews, it's all sort of about um, Ezra Miller, Barry Allen. And then I, I seem to see a lot of sort of praise also on uh, Jason Moa and, you know, sort of Aquaman. And, like, I'll say out of the three ones, he was the one that I liked the least. I'm not saying I didn't like him. Yeah. He just kind of... <laughs> 
to me, and like, maybe this just comes down to the ongoing Aquaman joke. Again, I don't know a whole lot about Aquaman except sort of that he sucks, apparently. But to me, kind of like they seem to go out of their way too much to make him cool. Mm-hmm. And, like, he's cool. Like, he's, I'm not saying he's not cool. I'm not saying I just don't like him. But out of the new ones, like, I was expecting to like Cyborg the least because he seems to be just getting nothing in the reviews. But I like Cyborg. I like Victor Stone better than I liked um, Arthur Curry. And, again, I liked Aquaman, but... There's, I mean, there is one scene where it's like Jamie, I'm sure, would have just been going crazy because, like, just legitimately, I swear, it's in there purely for the women to get excited and men as well. If you swing that way, um, but <laughs> like, I don't know. He just out of the out of the the three ones that we're meeting for the first time, he just seemed to be the least exciting out of all three of them. So yeah, and I, I really liked well, Ray Fisher as Cyborg. Like again, I don't know much about the character, but I kind of liked. He seemed sort of the more, I don't know, serious, dramatic one. And kind of, I guess you understand that slightly mm-hmm. when you hear the brief, you know, flashbacks of how he's come. And I, I sort of like that, that one scene we get with him and uh, Barry Allen together. Um, that they kind of both sort of look at each other and, oh, we're the accident ones. And they sort of have a bit of a Yeah, laugh. we're the accidents. Yeah, so like, good. I like that. I think that was kind of funny. So, yeah, I'm excited. I'm probably going to be... I'm more excited for the Cyborg one than Aquaman. I'm still going to be excited for Aquaman. But, um, yeah, I, I liked Cyborg more than I liked Aquaman. And that's the thing, it's no knock against Jason Momoa to yeah, say exactly. that, you know, he's the weakest of these six. Um, because I think in part, Jason Momoa is just playing Jason Momoa. I mean, he's, you know, this uh, Hawaiian guy, you know, uh, big flowing hair, uh, really rough looking, you know, the tattoos all over. I mean, he's got the reputation from Game of Thrones, where I think he was playing a very serious character. And this is much closer to Jason Momoa's real personality than what we got in Game of Thrones. So if anybody's kind of phoning it in, I would say it's Jason Momoa, and that's not even a bad thing. He's phoning it in because this is him. Uh, the, the cool stuff, I mean, that's just naturally the way he is. This is very different from the Aquaman we get in the comics, who's a lot more of a serious character. Uh, he is fun in this movie, and I think one of the reasons why, funny we'll hear you know, close to the end here what Jamie's thoughts were on the movie, is she said the exact same thing that you did, is that uh, Aquaman was probably her least favorite and that she really liked Cyborg. I was expecting, even watching this movie, I kind of could see, I didn't read any bad reviews for Ray Fisher. And we shouldn't say, they're not bad reviews for Ray Fisher. It's just, he's he doesn't fit with the others because he's not the fun character yet. And maybe he will be later on. But I mean, this guy's basically Frankenstein, let's be honest. He's not going to be able to be cracking jokes along with, you know, the Barry Allen and uh, Arthur Curry. But he's such a dramatic character that I could tell, because this movie has more humor, because it's lighter in tone, people weren't going to respond to him as much. And that's why I'm glad to hear you say the same thing. And even Jamie said the same thing. Like, we loved Ray Fisher as Cyborg. And it's because he was different from the others. He had that dramatic side. And it was kind of dark. And, you know, the scenes with him and his father that we see early in the mo- movie, like his basically his introduction as a character, there's some powerful stuff there. And I think we mentioned on the preview episode the fact that they hired this theater actor who had no... Uh, cinematic experience. I think he had one episode of one TV show, and that's all he had ever done outside the theater. Uh, that kind of, I think, explains you know where they're going to be going with his character. This is going to be a very theatrical character. It's going to be very dramatic, and he pulled it off like brilliantly. Yeah, I completely agree. And um, the, the, the interesting thing that I read in one of sort of the more negative reviews was saying that Cyborg is essentially Iron Man with no charisma. And I'm like, no, like, no, like I can no see similarity to Iron Man whatsoever. <laughs> he at one point like has thrusters that lift him in the air at one point. That's yeah. about the only comparison that I could make between the two. Um, so 
Yeah, some of these reviewers, I don't know. Um, but I mean, is there any sort of the aside people? Like, I mean, uh, yeah, the one thing I, I think, I feel there is going to be an extended edition and there will be a lot of deleted scenes because I don't want to say <laughs> the ones that we maybe talked about in our preview ones, but there were certainly some actors that we were expecting to see in this film that we did not see in this film um, yeah. that are obviously, and I'm reading here actually on Wikipedia that the main one that I guess we're thinking of um, said that their roles were eventually cut from the film. So I'm guessing there's going to be a deleted scene or something that will be added to it. Uh, and there is also one in particular that I did read was in it more. They edited them out more, but they do appear in one of the post-credit scenes. Um, so, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, any quick thing to add on any of the other side ones we haven't mentioned or not really? Uh, well, I mean, most of what we're seeing, like with Connie Nielsen, it's just kind of we expect here's a, a small action scene and let's find out what's going on in Themyscira um, with you know J.K. Simmons is kind of the same thing let's see what's going on in Gotham City it's maybe two scenes that we have with him those aren't really the pivotal characters but w- I think we should talk about you've mentioned a few characters there and we know one of them is Lex Luthor uh, we won't mention <laughs> which one it is but everybody knew he was going to be in this movie we talked about he's going to be in this movie I need to get your opinion on this because I feel like it's not just the bald head now. We're being presented with a different Lex Luthor from Batman Superman. And, you know, you could say, well, is that because of some of the negative reactions to the quirkiness of his performance or what? It's a brief scene, but I felt like this, it still feels exactly like Jesse Eisenberg is performing this character. It doesn't feel so like with Batman uh in this or or with superman it doesn't feel like such a dramatic shift where it's like well that's awkward like it's a completely different character it still feels like his performance but it's different it's more mature it's a little bit more menacing and it kind of goes along with that you know lex luther origin story and dawn of justice did you prefer even in this brief scene the performance could you accept jesse eisenberg now because i thought that it was different, but it was great. I lo- I thought this is Lex Luthor now. Yeah, I agree. Uh, he looked a lot more the part, and not, again, not just because of the bald head, but um, <laughs> yeah, he felt. I, I agree. I mean, he still maybe he's a bit too young looking, but I guess that's what they're going for with this portrayal of him. So um, yeah, I agree completely. And it's, I mean, it is a very brief scene, um, but you know, it definitely felt a lot more um, of it. And I, I don't know if you like sort of I was I had this thing in the back of my mind like oh Lex is going to show up at some point so um when we eventually sort of do um but I was disappointed at the other one that we sort of mentioned didn't end up being in the film actually there was another one too we do have to talk about Steppenwolf too though of course yeah well, Steppenwolf <laughs> great band um <laughs> I liked I liked Steppenwolf um how do you say yeah. something? Kieran and he's Hines? getting the worst reviews yeah and I think he's getting the worst reviews I well, from the, maybe it's different Maybe you're reading like this. I'm starting to get maybe the Australian reviews are <laughs> criticizing the phoned in performances and the North American reviews are criticizing the new performances or something because it seems to be different. But yeah, all the reviews I'm reading here are saying, and, and this is even the fan response. We, we should mention this is going to be very similar to uh, Batman v Superman Suicide Squad where the audience got behind this movie and then the critics said, we're going to trash this movie. And then as time progresses, audience is going to be like, well, those critics must've been right. Yeah. Because when they finally lifted the ban and the people who had seen advanced screenings, fans who had seen advanced screenings, the response was extremely positive. You know, last week when those reviews started to come out from fans and now the critics are like, uh, it's better, but it's still just okay. Uh, even the fan reviews criticize Steppenwolf, and I don't get that at all. So I'm not even going to say this is a critics thing. 
the most of what I've been reading is that Steppenwolf, you know, he's barely in the movie. You don't understand his character. He doesn't have a lot to do. That to me screams of half of the Marvel villains out there, particularly the ones we see in Guardians of the Galaxy. But not here. I mean, I feel like Steppenwolf had, maybe it's because my expectations were set by these reviews saying, you know, Steppenwolf barely has a presence in the movie. You don't care about him at all. He's not intimidating. It was the complete opposite for me. Uh, is he the strongest villain we've ever seen? No, he's probably the weakest villain in terms of, you know, uh, the, the character and his story than we've seen in the DC movies. But that just goes to say how strong of a villain Zod is and Lex Luthor, Doomsday, uh, not the Enchantress, but Why <laughs> Joker not or whoever else. I'm all right. But like he has, he has such a great way of carrying the dialogue in this movie. We hear a lot of Steppenwolf talking, and you know maybe some of the criticism might come down to the uh, the CGI for the character. But again, seeing it in 2D, I thought the CGI looked really good, and I felt like he was a very dramatic villain for this. Uh, and you know, does it necessarily go anywhere? Does it pay off? Well, no, because there's still a Just Sleep Part Two to come, and you kind of have to know about what that references to Dark Side here to get that. But Steppenwolf was, you know, uh, I think a villain that really surprised me, and that I-, I felt like when he was on screen, like this is a real foe. This is an intimidating, kind of scary villain. Yeah, I liked him, and I'm, I'm just sort of in sort of if I'm compare it to sort of the Marvel ones, and I guess update people where I am into them. I'm sure everybody's wanting to know. Um, I just <laughs> finished Iron Man three, so I, my next one I'm up to is Thor two. Um, so that's kind of where I'm up to, and I mean I've seen Spider Man Homecoming, obviously, but um, I mean I'm trying to think of if there's any villains in the Marvel one to this point. I like. I mean I like Loki. I guess people like Loki. Um, mm-hmm. but in terms of menacing, is Loki that menacing? He's got horns on no, his head. No, he's not supposed to be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I didn't actually mind Guy Pearce in Iron Man three, but I can see the problems with him. Um, but you know, I I can't think of anyone really that menacing or whatever in in the uh in oh Hugo Weaving was pretty decent. Red Skull. Yeah, uh, Hugo yeah. Weaving. Um, but anyway, but like you know, I liked I liked him. I mean, kind of compared to the villains, I guess that yeah, like as you were mentioning the comparisons in the DCEU, um, yeah, it doesn't kind of stand up to the ones that you mentioned, but I, I don't necessarily, like, as I kind of said at the beginning, like, I feel we get a bit more of an explanation as to why he's there. The fact that he kind of, like, he talks a lot and sort of explaining things and all that, and I don't know, I just felt like we got more of a vibe of what he was doing, more so than the Enchantress. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, I think that kind of, that to me, is what I liked about the fact that, you know, obviously I like Suicide Squad, but again, we were sort of questioning, what the fuck is the point of what the Enchantress is trying to do? Whereas, like, here, we know the whole point of what Seven was doing with these mother boxes. Yeah, and another thing is that, you know, he's a transitional villain. Uh, it's very similar. I think this is where maybe the Avengers gets a free pass because they use somebody different. It's not, you know, Thanos is going to be the villain we're going to see eventually in Infinity War. Who knows, maybe past that. And it's not like we're getting Thanos's uncle, <laughs> which is basically what Steppenwolf is. He's the big villain's uncle or nephew. I can't remember which one it is. But um, as far as his plot and what he's doing, it makes sense in this movie. And uh, I think my only complaint is maybe... We could transition a little bit here if you want to talk about the climax of the movie. Is that I don't, I feel like with the buildup we got with him, it's maybe at the end sort of just pushed aside. Yeah. And it's not even pushed aside because we have something bigger coming. One of my few complaints about this movie is that there are not that there's any issues with the climax. I think the climax is amazing. Like, I wasn't 
100% loving. I was, well, I was loving this movie. I wasn't 100%, you know, I'm in love with this movie until they really got to that climax. And when they did, I'm like, this movie is so much fun. I love this. But it kind of just ends abruptly. And maybe this is a, a product of the reshoots. This is why I have that theory that uh, the reshoots had more to do with the fact of let's not box ourselves into we have to get Justice League 2 out there in 12 months. Let's rewrite this. Let's reshoot it so that it has its own standalone ending. It almost feels like a reshot ending because it just sort of ends just like that. And yeah. it, that kind of hurts Steppenwolf a little bit. And maybe that's where some of the criticism is coming from is that maybe it doesn't go anywhere because of the way that this movie sort of just abruptly ends. I kind of feel, though, that like each of the DCU ones kind of do that, though. Like it's kind of it's I mean, mm, I have the opposite. I was thinking like Suicide Squad, the ending, it's like. With the slow motion and Harley throws the gun and, you know, mm. Deadshot catches it and the uh, Killer Croc throws the explosions. Like, it, it, maybe it's because there was no slow-mo in it. I don't know. But it just, you, you kind of, it felt like there should be another five minutes on it. Yeah, I mean, I can see it, but I don't necessarily completely agree with it. I mean, I, I kind of think it's sort of end of it. Like, I think the thing I'll say is that, and I don't know, this is spoiler not really i mean it's not a spoiler like i felt though seven went down the easiest <laughs> like as he'd like when eventually it yeah. comes to the defeat i mean if you are honestly thinking but without giving away spoilers yeah. the way it happens it's kind of natural <laughs> but like i i will one thing random thing that i kind of noticed in this movie uh the parademons like you know people obviously complain about sort of movies like this that you just got disposable cgi armies that are just kind of there like the what are the avocado heads and suicide squad and things like that like i actually like the parademons i mean they're not sort of a huge thing uh, there's a few sort of jokes towards them, sort of with the bug references and things like that. But, like, there's a couple of scenes with them that kind of you just got a bit more menace from them. And mm-hmm. I liked the Parademons. They were kind of like maybe my favourite, quote, disposable CGI army that we've had sort of yeah. in, the, in the DCEU, if you know what I mean. Well, and you, I think one of the reasons is because you see a lot less of them than you think you would. Uh, it, it, when they are on, it's not to say that they're not on screen much. For one, we kind of established that this is all happening in one small part of the world, and it's not about we're destroying a city and there's a thousand people witnessing this. Uh, and a lot of Justice League is they introduce a parademon right at the beginning, and then uh, from there it's, well, we know this is going down, let's slowly introduce the team. And then you have a couple of moments where Steppenwolf and his army are doing, the, but it's always away from the public and everything, and it's not really about you know, we're fighting a bunch of parademons. Uh, it's when they do appear on screen, it feels like it's brief and you get a good glimpse of them, but they don't want you to focus on them so much. And it kind of just in the way it was shot, it was very smart because you can't sit there and feel like we're being overwhelmed with this massive, massive disposable army. Uh, when they're there, you understand what they're doing and they, they have a presence there, but then they're just sort of gone a lot of the time and you forget, oh yeah, there's that army of parademons. So when they're there, I feel like they're effective because you're not being bombarded by them for two hours straight. And I'm just, again, sad we didn't get a Scridley Hom goo hello, um, but you know, <laughs> there's still potential for that. Uh, just a couple of things quickly before we sort of close this out, give our reviews and everything along those lines. I feel I need to mention the soundtrack now. I, I think I briefly mentioned to you um, a couple of days ago that I downloaded it. I didn't realize it sort of was available already and I downloaded it because I guess kind of, as we sort of alluded to, you know, the the whispers of elements of the Superman theme and the Batman theme. And yeah. I just kind of wanted to hear it. And I, I mean, I did hear them in the soundtrack before I saw the movie, but there are just a couple of scenes when you hear it. Like, it's, and it, like, without being spoilery, like, don't expect to hear the full Superman theme or the full Batman theme. You just hear a couple of notes. And, like, you know, there's one scene with Superman and you just get the... 
dun, 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 and that's all you need. And you're like, oh, mm-hmm. and you just kind of, you know, and the Batman theme that we get, there's like a shot of, um, you know, Batman up high in the night sky as you would expect him to be. And you just kind of get that. I can't even do it. The dun, 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 dun. Yeah. Um, I don't know, like, if you've got much to say, I don't know if you've maybe downloaded yeah. or got the soundtrack as well, but amazing. Again, Danny Elfman, it was, it was so good. I've, I've been listening to it non-stop since I've got it, so, yeah, so good. Yeah, I I was waiting for those moments, and I, I gotta be honest, I missed it. I think there was one moment where I heard the Superman, and I'm like, did I just hear what I think I heard? But it was kind of overwhelmed with sound effects or whatever. With the Batman one, it was very clear, and what I like, you know, Danny Elfman, he, he didn't create John Williams' theme, obviously, because his name is not John Williams, but he created Danny Elfman's theme, believe it or not, really? of the oh, okay. 1989 Batman, and... Uh, I, I kind of thought, well, he'll give a nod to it. But if you watch throughout this movie, and especially if you stay through the end credits, I think what he's done is he's taken that original 1989 Batman theme and just reworked it uh, without giving you the full bit of it. Like, the, the, to kind of explain to people what it is, the original theme goes, you know, and, and this, he kind of leaves out the last note. You just hear, dun, 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 and it plays several times throughout this movie. So, I'm really hoping that when they do the Batman or even Justice League 2, that this becomes the new Batman theme because that one especially is very present in this movie. And it, it just gave you this great moment as a fan watching it where you're like, oh, that's so cool. They just played you know, the Batman theme. But yeah, the whole score is fantastic in here. And I, I think all the DC movies are. And that's one thing that they do get a lot more praise in the Marvel movies. The Marvel movies treat their scores as, as disposable and you can never hum a theme. And I think the DC ones have done a much better job getting probably better composers and more memorable themes throughout it. What, seven movies in? I have not once felt the urge to download a Marvel soundtrack. So, um, <laughs> whereas, yeah, I've got all of the DCEU ones. So, uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, we kind of touched on the reviews. We won't go too much. I mean, we don't really have as, as kind of we're doing this maybe a little bit earlier than um, we obviously, um, you know, do. So, in terms of, like, box office, we can't really talk too much about that. I think it's made $8.5 million. I don't know where that's come from. Um <laughs> Who knows? But, um, yeah, the reviews, again, sort of mixed um, so far. Um, uh, Richard Roper here from the Chicago Sun-Times gave it 3 out of 5 from 4. 3.5 out of 4. Our bestie, Peter Travers, gave it 2.5 out of 4. Why do they give it out of 4? Like, oh, we're too good for 5. Let's only... (laughs) Can't afford 5 now. We've got to re... The budget only gives us 4 stars. Um, but the, the interesting thing is you sort of mentioned in terms of sort of like the discrepancy that Batman v Superman had with like on Rotten Tomatoes. I mean, currently I'm looking here on Rotten Tomatoes, the reviews are at 27% of Batman v Superman and 63% of the audience. That was a bigger gap. That, that audience score has dropped down. Um, mm-hmm. whereas currently on... And that's because they decided to listen to the critics instead of listening to their own opinion. <laughs> well, exactly. But Justice League right now is a huge discrepancy. 37% on the reviews and 87% on the audience, um, and that's out yeah. of 85,000 user ratings. Um, and even, like, if you just type in Justice League and you look at um, the Google users, 90% like the film, 7.9 out of 10 on IMDb. So, yeah, the fans are loving this. Um, it's mm-hmm. just the reviews. And, like, if you look at sort of... Uh, they have the sort of the comparison chart on the Wikipedia article for the DCEU, and if you look at sort of the overall um, ratings when it comes to this compared to, say, the other DCEU ones, obviously Wonder Woman's still the highest, 92% Rotten Tomatoes, Man is still 55%, and currently Justice League is the third, uh, 37%, so smack bang in the middle. <laughs> um, so, um, yeah, uh, it's well, kind of interesting to look at that. With, with the reviews, I think the one thing that people should listen to, and this is, I, I do encourage people, don't just, well, this 
critics said it was terrible actually read the reviews because that 37 percent if you look at the negative reviews and then you look at the positive reviews every single reviewer is saying the exact same thing about this movie i mean everybody's in agreement they're like the humor really works the lighter tone works the story's not quite there but as we kind of explained it, it was never meant to be this was you know the introduction to what will be the bigger story in the second one uh but nobody's really disagreeing here yeah, you know, other than uh, some Australians seem to think that Ben <laughs> Affleck and Gal Gadot phoned it in. Uh, but uh, yeah, the positive and negative reviews have the exact same things to say. So kind of look at what the reviews are saying before making up your mind saying, well, critics hated the movie. The critics that hated the movie hated it for the same reasons that the critics love it, loved it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and we're going to get into our critics review right now, I guess. One thing I actually just really quickly mentioned, I don't know if you sort of, I mean, this is kind of, I felt what I did in The Force Awakens. I came out of it going like, oh, we kind of really got like no references or mentions of the prequels. Uh, nothing to Suicide Squad in this film. I felt like there was no connection to Suicide Squad in this movie. Um, I, I don't know if that's a random well, thing. Well, we, you... <laughs> we do, because again, the Flash has that one line where he's like, I'm not a hero. I just push people and then run away. And that's oh. kind of what he does to Captain Boomer. I guess true, in Suicide true. Squad. No, I, I was you know it would be nice to have a Viola Davis appearance or something like that, or you know, mm. I don't know. But anyway, that's just a random little thing. Uh, and does this is this meant to like we kind of went through the the plot like after the events of the death of uh, you know Superman? Is this like meant to be happening in parallel? I mean, we know kind of in Suicide Squad that you know Bruce Wayne's talking to Viola Davis in the end, so I'm guessing this is after Suicide Squad. But what's happening in Midway City mm-hmm. right now? They're rebuilding it, or you know, like yeah, I have no idea and. <laughs> We see a newspaper, like, I, they give the idea that some time has passed, I guess, because we see a newspaper clipping of the Superman's dead, and it's basically the lining of a birdcage. Uh, so, um, <laughs> with I, also the Wonder Woman stories, you know, we see she's still in Paris and everything. I would guess everything here kind of takes place, you know, a couple of months later. This isn't, it's definitely not like two years later. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, for sure. Completely agree. Uh, so what we're going to do now before we get to our review section, actually, is uh, we're going to hear a little snippet here. Now, you and your lovely wife and uh, co-host of this show, we can say that, of course, uh, Jamie Hilding, the esteemed Jamie Hilding. Um, <laughs> just read what you wrote there. Um, you <laughs> had a little conversation here about uh, anything you want to say here before we uh, cut to you and Jamie having a bit of a talk here? Well, again, we'd come out of this movie, I think we'd been home for 10 minutes, and we could, let's quickly record this, and I told her, it'll be 5 to 10 minutes, she goes, it had better be only 5 to 10 minutes. <laughs> she was tired, and she wanted to go to bed, but... Because uh, shirtless uh, Henry Cavill, she wanted to go to bed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But as you can expect, you know, um, we go for about 10, 12 minutes here, or whatever, and the first half of it, well... It's basically what you'd expect from Jamie. <laughs> but she gives her little review here, so uh, this isn't really me talking anymore about the movie. I'm not repeating my own opinions, but here you get to hear what Jamie thinks about Justice League, and I guess it'll pretty much be exactly what people expect. Okay, I'm joined here by Jamie, who will not be joining us for a full review because probably at the time of recording it, it would mean waking up at about 4.35 in the morning, which I know she's not going to do. But I already do that with my son. I'm not going to do that for you guys. Sorry. Yeah, there you go. Ben, you're not as important as a baby. Oh, man, you know what that 18-month-old sleep progression he's going through right now? I don't even know where I am right now. <laughs> uh, well, if you need a reminder, it's, what, Wednesday night here. We just got home probably minutes ago from the uh, uh, screening of Justice League. So yeah, I don't know what time this episode's going out, but we're about 24 hours away from the movie's release. Does it give you a feeling of satisfaction to know that you watched 
this hugely anticipated movie before everybody else and you can tell everybody how much you loved it or hated it. Yeah, I had a huge feeling of satisfaction when I saw Henry Cavill's <laughs> shirtless. Oh, that wasn't my question, but somehow I knew you would answer that. So, okay, well... Oh, man, did he ever look nice? Yeah, we're, we're, we're not going to get into spoilers here too much, especially since, you know, they kept Superman... Everybody knew Superman was in the movie, but they kept yes. his role under wraps. You've, you haven't even been on our Just League episodes, but you've made no secret of your appreciation for Henry Cavill. Yes. Um, is it just me, or somehow did he get bigger and more muscular and have an even hairier chest than he did the last time we saw him? I was actually, like, picking him apart, you know... Trying to be like I bet you were no no I was I was trying to be like I oh. need to remind people that we're married but no, it's whatever just, we're we're honest with I'm each other I'm not saying that, that I'm saying just so people understand the and, context and you know what when you're married or whatever and you're not insecure and we're both not insecure we can talk about stuff like that it doesn't matter anyways I was I was actually like picking it apart you know when I was looking at him I'm like something is different here and I swear like I saw the guy from the side again when he was shirtless let me just say <laughs> that and I I thought. Wow, this guy has like absolutely enormous pecs now, like way bigger than what they were before, and like even even his abs and stuff. Like this guy must have well gone on like a cut diet for like three months or something. No, let's think about it this way. I mean, to thrust a kryptonite spear into the chest of a monster like Doomsday, can you imagine the pectoral workout that would take? Just that one move. That's why I'm going to explain his physique in this movie. Um, but yeah, we but, don't want to go. How does how does Superman actually get more muscular? Because like he can't go to a gym. Well, like they do nothing for him. How does Why Superman can't he go to a gym? He went to a gym in uh, Superman Four, I think it was. Not that we should recommend that movie, but no, because the, uh, the machines don't do anything for him. Anyways, maybe it was because he was like kind of dead, and so then again, that's my theory of you know. Him cutting for you know however long he was dead, he didn't eat. That's why he looked right, so awesome. So weird. Three minutes in, and all we've <laughs> talked about is Henry Cavill shirtless. Um, going against the DC uh, prototype here, um, we had a lot less shirtless men in this movie, despite there being more men in this movie. I mean, I think, I think we saw more in Suicide Squad. Probably saw more in Wonder Woman, even. Um, but who else was shirtless in this movie? Oh, Jason man. Jason Momoa was shirtless. So uh, does he rank high enough? Is he like what on a Will Smith shirtless level? Is he on a Jai Courtney shirtless level? Is he not Who's even? Jai Courtney guy played Captain Boomerang. Mm, I don't think so. Okay, well, so and, he's and, nowhere. And no to Will Smith. <laughs> Jason Momoa is nowhere. I know, like he's growing on me a little bit. Um, yeah. But he's not Henry Cavill. Okay, so let's move off of shirtless because it's funny. I don't think Ben Affleck was shirtless in the movie. Ezra Miller wasn't shirtless. Uh, Ray Fisher kind of is, but he's got know, a robot I, I body. Really, I can't really. No way, he was shirtless. Ben not, Affleck briefly. Okay, because I was I was trying to move on from this topic. Feel free to continue. Superwoman or not Superwoman? <laughs> Wonder. Oh yeah, you're right. Wonder okay. Woman to help. There you go. Him. So you're basically here to tell any female listeners we actually have. There's what to look good, forward there's, to. There's good eye candy. Okay, so let's actually talk about the characters here. So we're already familiar with Wonder Woman. We're already familiar with Ben Affleck's Batman. We're already familiar with Henry Cavill as Superman, you know, for whatever role he has in this movie, which we don't want to spoil. Uh, but, I mean, I guess it's a, a little bit more of the same for them. The three new main actors we have here, Ray Fisher as um, Cyborg, Ezra Miller as The Flash, and Jason Momoa as Aquaman. So give me your feelings on all three of them. Um, you know, we were kind of talking about this in the theater. 
Uh, I feel like um, all of them were great. Uh, if I'm ranking them, it doesn't mean that the one that I ranked the least somehow wasn't good. And they this were... isn't based on appearance. I just want to remind people we're actually talking about characters it, now. Yeah, it actually oh. isn't. Because if I was doing it by appearance, it would be a different order. But no. Will <laughs> <laughs> you put thought into this? <laughs> but no. Uh, if I'm just going based off of the characters and which one I enjoyed the most, uh, I actually would, of course, put The Flash first. I don't want to put any spoilers in this movie, but... Just the charisma that this guy brings to the role. Oh, and, so good! And he he brings he brings a type a lightness to the role mm-hmm. that I haven't really seen as the Flash yet. And I'm a I'm I'm a big fan of uh, the Flash. Really, is the light character of the Justice League. Well, no, no, no. I know, but I'm saying like even with watching the TV show, he's great too. But you get the sense that you know he's already kind of not really a kid anymore. If that makes sense. Yeah. And when you watch this, it's like he's he's still really honestly a kid. Like, well, I think, I mean, they're doing Barry Allen here, but the other thing to note is that in this movie, he's not Barry Allen, you know, the uh, forensic scientist from the comics, at least not yet. They kind of, you know, allude towards that. I almost feel like for anybody who does follow the comics here, that they kind of combined a lot of the character of Barry Allen with Wally West, uh, who's a different flash, but uh, you combine the two of them. And I think you get what Ezra Miller played here, but would he be your favorite of the new characters? Can I continue? (laughs) Mr. Interrupter. You know, I told you this would be five to 10 minutes. I'm trying to keep us on time here, but just go ahead. And then you'll blame me when this goes 12 minutes. I needed to explain the shirtless. Oh, okay. So anyways, yeah, like, I like, you know, seeing the Flash really honestly kind of as a kid in that sense. He hasn't really grown up yet, you know, to be a mature adult. Um, and then, uh, actually, um, surprisingly enough, the Cyberman guy is... He's not the you keep calling the Cyberman. This isn't <laughs> Doctor Who. It's not delete, delete. This is Cyborg, not the Cyberman. I, I like calling him a Cyberman. <laughs> so the Cyberman guy is my, my second favorite. Um... I actually knew nothing about this character, like nothing from the comics. You know nothing about Cyborg? No. Uh, I knew more about... Get out of this marriage. <laughs> I knew more about Aquaman and the Flash, obviously, and I knew nothing about the Cyberman guy. <laughs> Clearly not even his name. <laughs> I said that at that time just to bug you. No, but, um, no, this this guy actually brings, uh, um, what would you say, he... A lot of intensity. Intensity, and it just seems authentic. That's the really the the best word that I can think of to describe it. When I'm watching this guy, I don't have to know any background of it. I just I get who he is mm-hmm. immediately. Um, with uh, Aquaman as well, you know, being in the third spot again, that doesn't mean he wasn't good. He was great. I love the one-liners that he had. I love the kind of the development that they did have with him. Um, I, I had just a couple of, of complaints, uh, as I had mentioned to you, and that was just, you know, I felt like it was a little bit pointless at times to have him in here only in... No, listen, listen, before you interrupt, because that's what you love to do. <laughs> no, just joking, that's totally me. I interrupt all the time. Um, but no, like, great character. I love the way that they did use him in the movie. If I had any critique... Um, it would just be that, honestly, I don't really think he used his powers very much. Well, his- they weren't in the water the whole movie. I think that's- well, I, well, no, 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 I know, but I mean, like, that's his powers, okay. and he just has this trident and he's strong. Okay. And jumps uh, up high, that's it. 
let's let's go through uh, the story here and the villain. I guess first the villain. Uh, I guess the criticisms online, you know, even with the good reviews, a lot of the good reviews out there are still saying Steppenwolf was a disappointing villain. I couldn't disagree more. You haven't even told me what are your thoughts on Steppenwolf. Um, I didn't know much about him from the last movie. It was basically just that he was mentioned. I don't know anything about him from the comics either. Uh, as a villain, I thought he was uh, a good character. Um, I liked uh, I liked the fact that you know it wasn't just that you saw exactly where everything was going. Okay, I don't really get what you're saying, but <laughs> did you like him? <laughs> yeah. Okay, Steppenwolf, thumbs up. All I right. mean, I, I have, I still have some questions, but obviously you'll explain those later. Yeah, once we're off the air here, like, <laughs> not able to spoil Like uh, when I was asking you movie theater, who's, who is his mother? What is he talking about? And then you're like, I don't know, maybe it's Granny Goodness. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Granny Goodness is a character in DC that's connected to Dark Side and everything, but... Um, the storyline overall, uh, and uh, I guess just your overall opinion of how entertaining the movie was, the action and all that. Anything else you want to touch on? Uh, I thought it was great. I liked the action. I liked that this movie, they added humor to it. Mm-hmm. I think it's definitely entertaining, and I think everybody needs to see it. Okay, so... Um, oh, it's after 10 minutes now. Well, everybody, uh, not, not after I finish editing this. Um, <laughs> I'm going to cut all that shirtless bit from the beginning. Uh, buy it, rent it, bin it. What would you do with Justice League? And I also want to say... Coming into this movie, you told me after I showed you all the trailers, you're like, eh, I'm not that excited about it. Uh, which I explained, I think, on our Justin preview episode that probably has more to do with the fact that the trailers don't give away a lot. It's a, it's a very much all teasers. Uh, having seen the movie now, what would you do with it? Well, I will just briefly explain that it is a very good movie. <laughs> and what I'm about to say, you'll laugh at me, but I'm saying it even though it is a very good movie, I would pay full price, like 30 or $35 <laughs> to see both Ben Affleck and Henry Cavill shirtless for a little while. Okay. So you are buying it at an absurd price for a Blu-ray, 30 to $35 just for the shirtless scenes. Well, it's 30 or $35 because if I'm going to watch them shirtless, I'm not in 3D. All right. So that is a buy it from you? Yeah. Okay. And uh, the other funny thing here is that uh, I guess it's not no real disappointment to be parting with your money because we saw it for free tonight. <laughs> but we are going back again in a couple of days. We're going to go see it. I already asked you. I'm like, can we go pay and see it over again on Sunday? And you said what? Yes. Yes. And why did you say yes? Because then I get to see them half naked again. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you, Jamie. You're welcome. <laughs> I loved it. I didn't. Like, yeah, cool. Uh, so, all right. Jamie's bought it. Um, so, um, what are you going to do with it, Colin Hilding? Uh, like, very obviously, I'm going to buy it. I, mean, <laughs> I think the only one I didn't buy was Suicide Squad, and yet I own the 3D Blu-ray of Suicide Squad. Uh, but even just as a review, I think this is a buy it because uh, it, it it works. It the, the whole progression works here. It um, you know, gives us more of all the characters. The characters is what I love in these movies, and they do such a good job. The actors do such a good job. Uh, the movie's incredibly entertaining, uh, especially the climax. I mean, watch the climax. There's so much great stuff going on, and everybody gets their moment. And there isn't a single throwaway character in here. Uh, it's it's a, it's a fun movie. Uh, is it my favorite? Like you said, no, but it's still a great movie, and I'm still going to buy it like I buy them all. And I'm absolutely going to do that too. So I'm five from five from the DCEU. Um, 
yeah, just, I loved it. I, uh, you know, we're not going to go over our rankings again here and redo them. We might sort of get to that when we eventually do a full recap of this. But um, if I was, I would put this probably at number one right now. <laughs> I mean, again, I'm buzzing. I've just seen it. So, um, well, yeah. Yeah, we'll probably do that eventually. But just to throw mine out there, I would say for me, this is, you know, below Wonder Woman, below Donna Justice. And it's funny, most people are going to say it's below Donna Justice. <laughs> I, <laughs> We've gone over our reasons why that movie works. Uh, but, yeah, I put this pretty much right in the middle for me. Just like the reviewers did. There you go. All righty. Go and see it. It's <laughs> in cinemas now, Justice League. Uh, clearly, we've got to add that because we got our press passes and all that sort of stuff. Um, but, uh, yeah, very much worth it. Uh, but, yeah, great to be back here for a spoiler-free review. Uh, in terms of our next spoiler-free review, um, maybe it might be Daddy's Home 2. Let's see oh, how that goes. Oh, I've got one. Oh, do you? Oh, is it Daddy's Home I've... 3 or something like that? Or? No, <laughs> I've been I've been holding off. I, I did see it over the weekend, um, but uh, I got murder, murder on the Orient Express. It'll be by ah. myself. I just need time to record it. So okay. listen for that one probably this weekend. Exciting, exciting times. We'll listen for that. Um, Daddy's Home 2, obviously Star Wars month. So our first Ewok movie uh, is to be <laughs> done in a week. Woohoo! Um, it's got to be better than the holiday special. Um, but I guess kind of our, obviously our big... Uh, next spoiler-free review will obviously be for The Last Jedi, and we're actually going to be planning possibly to do two separate reviews of that one, that we will do a spoiler-free one, and maybe a spoiler one, just because it's Star Wars, and we'll want to talk a lot about shit, but uh, we're less than a month now, we're seeing Justice League, this is what we're waiting for, Colin, we're like, yes, Justice League, we're excited, but now there's nothing really standing in our way besides um, Daddy's Home 2 and Murder of the Orient Orient Express, (laughs) weird combination there, Um, (laughs) before we get to The Last Jedi, so... Exciting times, and obviously, you know, all our other shows still available. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, subscribe, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, you know the drill. And let us know, what did you think of Justice League? Do you agree with us? Do you think it was amazing? Or are you like the rest of the world and think it's shit? Uh, Well, not shit, sort of medium, whatever. Uh, But (laughs) thank you for your company. My name is Ben and Scriddly Diddly Doo. I've forgotten what they say. And my name is Colin, and Ben and I are also The Accidents. Thank you for listening to The Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.